0: welcome back everybody to the coastal covers podcast this is the gcg the gulf coast guru uh coming back for another episode of coastal covers another conference preview uh we are finally here ladies and gentlemen we are finally into the power five um I think the Group of Five is what makes college football so special because it's not always the biggest market. It's it's where a lot of our underdogs come from. It's a beautiful thing in college football, very unique to college football, but some might say that the G5 is the heart of college football, whereas the meat and potatoes of college football comes from the Power Five. I'm going to bring you uh, Part 1 of another two-parter. Uh, my co-host, my typical co-host, Mike, will be on uh, Part 2 for the ACC. That is the conference we are talking today. Um, ACC is in an interesting way right now with uh, everything going on realignment-wise. The ACC and Pac-12 uh, both seem to be kind of just like out in the wind right now. Big 12, to me, seems to hold a little bit of the cards going on right now as far as uh, non-Big Ten or SEC conferences go as far as the Power Five. So, um me personally, what I'd like to see is the Pac-12 join up with the Big 12 because I think that keeps a lot of the regionality of college football, which is one of my favorite aspects of the game. ACC, I guess, dispersed between the SEC and the Big 10, I, I don't really know. I don't really know where all this direction is going. Like, if if these conferences conferences just don't disappear and they don't just join up with the Big 10 or the SEC – what do they become? Do we get another level of college football altogether? Do they join up with the FCS? Are they basically group of five, which would be like what the group of eight at that point? I have no idea. I have no idea what, what's going to happen. I think the ACC and the Pac-12 really are just kind of out in the wind, especially since the Pac-12 still has a lot of the West Coast teams that, uh, you know, the two L.A. teams have joined up with the Big Ten now uh, coming here in the near future. But there's, there's still a lot of West Coast influence that you would want to grab to get um you know eyes from that side of the country so the sec is probably going to want to target a couple of these programs um the acc i I don't really know you know clemson i would imagine goes sec um outside of that florida state probably i would imagine goes sec the other teams it's it's all up in the air um unc duke maybe those teams go big 10 uh thinking basketball wise. It's very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I hate all of that. That's going on with college football with the realignment. Uh, it's taken away a lot of the things, you know, Mike and I talked about it on an earlier, earlier episode when the UCLA USC news broke. Um, we, we hate a lot of this college football purists really should hate all of this basically. Um, but for now, you, you know, you got to put some of the blame on the ACC. Your conference has been a mess for years now. Um, you gotta get your shit together. Clemson is basically dominated as of late until last year. Um, and and the coastal is always a fucking shit show. You never know who the hell is gonna come out of the coast coastal. It's because none of these teams are great, they're just all kind of good or bad outside of Clemson. So um, it's a very interesting conference. There's there's a lot to like or dislike about it. I mean, at least all the games are competitive. I will say, going through these teams. Um, you're going to hear a lot of quarterbacks with, with pretty big names as far as uh, what they bring to the game. This conference has a lot of good quarterbacks. Now, something else I noticed, this conference has a lot of bad pass defenses. So um, I don't know if these quarterbacks are being elevated by the pass defenses sucking or if it's vice versa, the other way around, where the pass defenses suck because these quarterbacks are just that damn good. Um, I don't know. I guess it's uh, all up to interpretation. But here's one thing that's not up to interpretation. Coastal Covers at the GCG ready to roll with part one of the ACC preview. Let's get into it. Duke Blue Devils are the first team we are going to discuss here. Um, David Cutcliffe, I called for him to probably end up losing his job last year. Thought the games probably passed him by a little bit. Uh, Legendary coach, quarterback guru, did a lot of good things for the program, uh, the Duke Blue Devils football program. However, it just seemed like it was time to go. And what do you know? It happened. In comes Mike Elko, former Texas A&M defensive coordinator. Did a hell of a job there. Let's see. He's got a big project on his hands from last year. Only 48% of the total production from last year's team returns. That's 125th in the country. Um, Recruiting-wise, this program has been towards the bottom of the ACC. Um, In 2020, they were 12th. In 2021, they were 12th in the conference. Uh, 2022 now with Elko, they're an eighth in the conference, 52 in the country. So an improvement there, uh, albeit a slight one. Transfer portal number 86 in the country. Last year, this team uh, in 2021, they went three and nine. This year, Vegas is saying the number is set at three. So the exact same total they reached uh, last year, we got five back on offense. Terrible offense last year, 102nd scoring 54th total, which is uh, somewhat respectable, I guess. But here's the terrible, terrible, terrible side of the ball. Defensively last year, which they have four returning from that unit, they were 127th out of 130 teams last year as far as scoring defense. 117th versus the rush, 129th, almost dead last against the pass, and, hey, 130th out of 130 total defense last year. Not good. Well, what do we got coming back? Is it anything good? Do Do we have a good story for this year? Uh quarterback Gunnar Holberg, he uh, goes ahead and he transfers out. Mateo Durant, the running back from last year, fantastic running back, really, really good. He's in the NFL now, and leading wide receiver Jake Bobo has transferred out. So your top three offensive weapons from last year, all gone. Um, there's a quarterback battle underway between uh, two sophomore quarterbacks. Nothing crazy uh, to point out there. Running back has no identical star on the roster this year, probably going to be some sort of committee. Wide receivers, lacking talent, does have some experience. Uh, I'm going to be honest, the the names weren't even important enough to write down, so (laughs) not a lot of hope there. However, O-line does return four or five adds a little depth through the portal, so maybe that's something to be excited about. I would assume Elko, being a defensive guy, he's going to try to build a run game to to play into ball control. So I guess we'll see. Uh, Speaking of the defense, good luck, Mike Elko. The D allowed 517.9 yards per game last year. That's probably about why you were 130th in the country in total defense, huh? Um, There's experience with the front seven to work with, so that's good. Uh, you got a third-team all ACC starters um, as far as projections, defensive tackle Dwayne Carter and linebacker Shaka Hayward, so that's in the front seven. That's good. Um, But the young secondary really does not bode well uh, for this conference. Like I said, a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. They were 129th versus the pass last year. Now they have a young secondary. Hopefully that front seven can do something to put some pressure because uh, otherwise these cornerbacks are going to be pretty well fucked. So Vegas, as I said, over-under is three. Over is plus 100. Under is minus 120. Um, Not a lot of hope from Vegas here for the Duke Blue Devils. We're going to start off the season at home um, against the Temple Owls coming to town. We're going to go ahead and give them a tentative win there. If Dewan Mathis is any sort of – just hundred percent healthy and athletic as he should be. This could be an interesting game. I'm going to give the edge to Duke just uh, being the power five, being at home and the fact that both of these teams suck. So let's go ahead and go with the uh, home team on the edge. Then they're going to go at Northwestern. Typically uh, Cutcliffe kind of owned Patty Fitzgerald. However, um, Northwestern has a buy here before this game. Uh, And I see them getting it done at home. Duke's just not, not there. <laughs> so that's a loss. Then they're going to bring North Carolina A&T to town. Uh, Duke won 45-17 to last year. They pulled away a little bit in the second half. This game was close for a little bit. Uh, just 5-6 and six in the FCS last year for A&T. Maybe they can make this a game. Maybe they can't. I don't know. I'm still going to have Duke start off 2-1. and one. Then Duke is going to take a trip to go play the Jayhawks at Kansas. Um, Duke did win this one last year. However, I think Kansas and Duke are heading in different directions right now. And I got Kansas getting the win at home. Then Virginia comes to town. Maybe a winnable game for Duke. It is homecoming. It is the second leg of a back-to-back road trip for, G- for Virginia. However, Virginia has won seven straight in this series. Um, I don't love the Virginia team. I'll get into it later. But Brennan Armstrong and his wide receivers coming back alone thinks that uh, makes me think that unless Elko can really scheme up a solid defense, uh, Duke's just a little outgunned here. So I got the loss. I got them losing at Georgia Tech. Hey, 50-50 game there. It's homecoming for Georgia Tech. At home, though, two terrible programs. I'm going to give the edge to the home team again. So I currently have them two and four coming. Uh, you got rival North Carolina coming to town. Second leg of a back-to-back for UNC as well. UNC is 63-41 and 41 all-time in the series, has won three straight. one last year, 38-7. to seven. I think they are by far the more talented team. Uh, Mac Brown and the boys have the edge there. At Miami is the next game. I'm not going to get into it too much. I think Miami wins. By week and then going at Boston College, I got another loss. Bring Virginia Tech to town, not a huge clue of what to expect from Virginia Tech either. I will also get into that one in a minute, but um, I got the loss here for Duke, I got a loss at Pitt, and I got a loss against Wake Forest. Um, I have this team two and ten, I don't have this team winning a single game in conference. Um, the only one that, that I really think is on their level is at Georgia Tech, and, and that's a road game possibly Virginia or Virginia tech at home. Maybe you could squeak one of those out either way. I don't see this team winning four games. Mike Elko would really have to pull a rabbit out of the hat. And I just don't see it happening. I am on the under minus minus one twenty. not that bad of a number. I think uh, going over the three are you're kind of kind of throwing your money away. So uh, that's how I feel about Duke. Not good. Next up the Georgia tech yellow jackets. Um, 3-9 and nine last year. They beat FCS Kennesaw, they beat North Carolina, and they beat the aforementioned Duke. Um, Jeff Collins, is his, his uh, second year in, in 2020, he recruited the number 27 class in the nation, fifth in the conference, so that's good. However, 2021, it fell off, uh, 47 in the country, 11 in the conference, 2022, uh, 54. So another little slide there. However, it did bump up in the conference rankings a little bit to ninth. We are bringing back uh, 56% of the total production from last year. That's 109th in the country, so not great. A lot of people transferring out of this uh, school, getting the hell off this shit before it sinks completely. Jeff Collins, year four, as I said, he's 9-25. and He's averaging about three wins a year. Um, Really tough job for him to come into and get the transition out of the triple option for whatever reason. Georgia Tech wanted to do that. Uh, I think they would sneak a win over Clemson here and there, sneak a win over Georgia here and there, uh, beat some of the other teams in the ACC if they were still running the triple option. They still have players that make sense in the triple option, they still have an athletic quarterback that's not a great passer. I I, I don't understand what this team was doing when they switched away from that. Jeff Collins, I feel for you. Tough thing you had to do switching away from the triple option there, but um. You just don't get that long of a leash in college football these days, especially with teams needing to make noise right now to salvage and try to try to keep up with all this realignment. So, not high hopes for Jeff Collins here for me. There's only two back on offense. This was a 53rd or 57th rushing offense, but 93rd total offense last year. Only two back on defense. They were uh, worse than the 100 ranking in every single major defensive category. That was good for 117th in total defense. Neither side of the ball. Very good. Neither side bringing anything back. Um, Jeff Sims does return a quarterback. So that's fine. He's a decent athlete. Chris Winky comes in to be the quarterback coach. So um maybe looking for a little winky magic, I guess. Uh, he's probably the best quarterback in that program still to this day right now. Um, as, as a coach, I mean, I know he played for Florida state, but I'm, I'm going to say it. He's, he's probably the best one they have within the, the Georgia tech program currently. Um, He's he's got a lot to work where he's he's got a lot to improve here with Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims has thrown 20 interceptions in 18 games uh, as a Yellow Jacket, so not great. Chip Long is in an offensive coordinator after stints at Memphis, Notre Dame, Tulane. So, uh, you know, he did a good job at all those programs. Maybe he can help out. Maybe Chris Winkie will help out. Maybe that, that'll get the ship right. However, Jameer Gibbs, the running back from last year, really good player. He transfers to Alabama. They do bring in Louisville transfer Hassan Hall at running back and Buffalo's Dylan McDuffie to replace him. Two pretty solid options. So I don't know if they're quite as good as Jameer Gibbs, either one of them, but maybe the combination of the two puts you somewhere back in that ballpark. Um, Wide receiver, a little bit of experience, nothing that jumps off the page. O-line only returning one, but you do get a transfer on the O-line from Bama, which is good, and from Clemson, which is, uh, I don't know, Maybe good. (laughs) Um, Not really known for great O-linemen over there at Clemson lately. So offense not sounding great. Let's see if the defense is going to improve from that trash that I talked about from last season. Well, they got destroyed with losses all offseason. Tons of transfers out. Um, They do get linebackers, Charlie Thomas and Ayinde Ely back. They were decent players, but uh, three of the four D-linemen are underclassmen, secondaries inexperienced, not a lot of depth. Not a lot to say that I like about this defense. This is uh, looking pretty rough here for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Vegas agreeing the over-under is set at three and a half. However, they do have the over at minus 125, so that is interesting. I guess they see a little hope for maybe four wins at least. I, Jeff Collins averaging three a season, so I, I, I don't <laughs> know why. Maybe the schedule is easy. I don't know. Let's get into it. Well, is it easy? I don't know. First week, you're going to start off with Clemson. Uh They did keep it close. This is a beautiful little rivalry they're forcing on us, right? This is a rival, Clemson and uh, Georgia Tech. Yeah, that's uh, one of their mandated rivalries, cross-conference and shit. It's stupid. It's just a reason for Clemson to have to play Georgia Tech every year and get an easy win since Georgia Tech has sucked. Uh, And really sucks for Georgia Tech, too, because that means they have to play Clemson and then their other rival, their actual rival, Georgia, every single year. So really uh, rough there for Georgia Tech. However... Um, Georgia Tech kept it close last year, 14-8. Clemson won um, in in Clemson's miserable offensive season, so there is that. However, Clemson has won seven straight. I got them winning this one again. West Carolina comes to town, uh, 4-7 and FCS team last year. I got Georgia Tech getting the win there. Then they're going to play Ole Miss. Ole Miss is coming to Atlanta. Uh, Interesting there. Um, But I got the loss for Georgia Tech. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. Then they go on a back to back road trip. Pretty brutal one at UCF, at Pitt. I got them dropping both of those games. Then they bring Duke to town for homecoming. uh, Covered in it when I talked about Duke. I think Georgia Tech does get that win. So I got them starting off two and four with honestly not a lot of wiggle room there. Um, Probably more likely that they're one and four than anything else uh, other than the two and four. So. it's going to be a bye week after Duke. They're going to bring Virginia to town, second of a back-to-back road trip for Virginia, as as well as uh, when they had the second leg against Duke. So um, interesting draw there for Virginia being as new as they are under Tony Elliott, new head coach there after Bronco Menenhall left. Um, interesting that they played both of like their worst opponents in conference on second legs of back-to-back. Uh, that makes it a little risky, I guess, but you could argue that that's good that you have weak opponents on those second legs. So interesting. I do have Virginia getting both of the games done. I had to beat Duke. I have to beat Georgia Tech. Again, Brennan Armstrong, all the receivers back. I'm thinking there's going to be some firepower in that offense still, Uh, maybe more than uh, Georgia Tech can keep up with. But I think coming out of the bye week, there is a chance for an upset that game, I guess. Another back-to-back road trip here. This is the second of three that Georgia Tech has on the schedule. They go at Florida State. Florida State has a bye before that game as well. Um, And then they have at Virginia Tech, two teams that I don't think crazy much of this year, Florida State and Virginia Tech. However, both on the road, back-to-back road trip. I have Georgia State taking two losses there. They bring Miami to town. Miami has won nine of the last 12 in this matchup uh, last year only by three points. And it's been pretty close recently um, in these games, a lot closer than the talent should be uh, playing each other, to be honest. But I do have Miami getting this one done. Another loss for Georgia Tech. Then here's the third back to back road trip that I was talking about. They go at UNC, uh, which Georgia Tech did beat UNC last year uh, 45 to 22. And they've won three in the last four against UNC. However, I think on the road, I, I can't really pick them for an upset here. And then at Georgia at the end of the season, Georgia beat them 45 to nothing last year. Not much of a great rivalry as of late. I have them losing that one as well. I have this team also going 2-10, and 10, not high on them. I don't really see them getting four or more wins, to be honest. The under is plus 105, decent value there. I don't know that I'm jumping out of my chair to bet it, but um, it's not bad. So that brings us to another uh, pretty terrible team at the bottom of this conference here, the Syracuse Orange. Now, they actually are bringing back a decent amount. They got total um, 80% of their total production returning from a year ago that's 16th in the country 79 percent of their offensive production returns that's good for 29th and 81 percent of their defensive production returns that's good for 18th in the country this team had a pretty good defense last year and they got eight back um 26th against the rush 26th against the pass one of the better pass defenses in this conference uh believe it or not and the 19th total defense from last year in the country so um Dino Babers, uh, showing up with a little bit of defense here for this squad, trying to save his job. It's a it's a tough road there in Syracuse. Uh, they also have eight back on offense, uh, not nearly the as dynamic as the defense was, but they um were 16th rushing in the country as far as an offense. So that is because they had an All American running back, almost 1500 yards, 12 touchdowns last year. Sean Tucker, the dude is a stud. Uh, Garrett Schrader's back at quarterback nothing special there he's a mobile guy uh maybe extend some little plays but he he has to even with four or five back on the o-line this o-line has been towards the bottom of the fbs as a whole in sacks and pressure allowed for the last three years running so um they're gonna have to rely on the run game they're gonna have to rely on schrader's ability to move a little bit uh there's nothing crazy jumping off the page at wide receiver so Not an explosive offense by any means, but maybe with that defense, as I talked about with Elko, maybe you can play some ball control with the run game and play some good defense there. D-line lost a ton from last year, so that does hurt. They just returned three scholarship players on the defensive line. That does not bode well for keeping up the defense. However, linebacker is stacked up. Michael Jones is a projected all-ACC first-teamer, so that's good. Secondary also looks good. Deuce Chestnut, a cornerback. Uh, is projected second team All ACC, so they do have some ballers on this defense. I am a little worried about the D line, but um, it might keep them in some games. Let's see here. They went five and seven last year. They were thirty eighth in the transfer portal, by the way. Always towards the bottom of the conference in recruiting. I didn't mention those yet, but um, yeah, nothing special. I mean, the thirty eighth in the transfer portal actually is 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 pretty good um, nationally, but the recruiting is not great. It's not really a surprise they're in fucking Syracuse. Uh, So let's get into the schedule. Over under Vegas is saying five. The over is plus 115. The under is minus 135. So they're leaning to uh, four or less. Let's look here. They start off the season bringing Louisville to town. Louisville beat them 41 to three last year. Louisville's won seven of the last eight. I know creepy things happen at the Carrier Dome there in Syracuse. But uh, first week of the season, I think Louisville's ready for it. I'm kind of high on Louisville this year. So I am going to go with the win for the Cardinals. Then they're going to go on the road at UConn. Uh, I did give Syracuse the win here. Should be a little interesting, though, with Jim Mora and the Huskies. Then they're going to bring Purdue to town. This is a real almost 50-50 game. I'm leaning a little bit more towards Purdue. I did give them the win, but Syracuse really could get that one done possibly. Um, Then they bring Virginia and Wagner to town. I gave them both of those wins. Now, that's kind of why I gave him the Purdue loss, is I figure they're going to probably split Purdue or Virginia at home, I think. So I have them starting off 3-2, and two, not bad, going into the bye week. Then they bring North Carolina State to town. Syracuse is just 2-13 and all-time against North Carolina State. North Carolina State beat them 41-17 to 17 last year. So, like I said, Carrier Dome can be tricky. They got a bye week before, but I think the talent difference is a little too much for the Orange to overcome. So, I did give NC State the win there. Then, Syracuse, really tough stretch here at Clemson. Bring Notre Dame to town, and then you go at Pitt. Uh, Clemson, that's a loss. Really no negotiating for me there. Uh, The Notre Dame game is interesting because it is before uh, Clemson, or it's uh, yeah, it's before Clemson for Notre Dame. So, Notre Dame, maybe a little look ahead spot there. They get Notre Dame at home. Could be interesting. Let's see what Marcus Freeman does in his first year in that little tricky spot. Um, but I got Notre Dame getting it done and I have Pitt beating Syracuse at home. No problem. Uh, Then it's going to finish off the season. Florida state comes to Syracuse second leg of a back to back for Florida state. Honestly, I think at this point there's a really good chance. Mike Norvell is fired by this point. I really think they want Dion uh, in today's day and age of um, wanting a coach that maybe has a little more recruiting chops than coaching chops. I think it's a bigger deal these days. Um, and Dion can recruit the hell out of people. And I can only imagine what Dion could do with the Seminoles. So I think Mike Norvell's kind of probably going to be out at this point of the season. I'm going to give Syracuse the win. They finish off the season at Wake and at Boston College. I have two losses there. Not a lot of flexibility for me. Four and eight is what I went with on this team. Uh, if I'm being honest, I'm probably not going to play this. Any which way, but if I had to give you a lead, which I always will give you a lead, it's going to be to the under at minus 135. However, the minus 135 is why I don't really like the value on the Syracuse Orange. Okay, moving on, we'll talk a little bit about the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, not a lot coming back here either. I mean, 65th total returning production, good for 64th in the country from a year ago. None of it pretty much is on offense. I mean, 51% of their offensive production from a year ago comes back. Defense, however, is where you do have some of it. 79% uh, of their defensive production from a year ago returns. That's good for 25th in the country. So not bad there. They have Brent Pry coming in for his first year as head coach, taking over for Justin Fuente. He was a grad assistant uh, for Virginia Tech back in the Beamer and Foster days. So that is good. You know he's going to be from that kind of school of hard knocks defense. Uh, Just like the Bud Foster days when uh, Virginia Tech was relevant last, (laughs) to be honest. Um, Also, last seven years, he's been an assistant head coach and defensive coordinator for Penn State. And they've had some really strong defenses out there at Penn State. So um, I think Brent Pry is is just what the doctor ordered for this program to get really back on track. Uh, I do wonder how he's going to recruit 2022, though number 35 in the country fifth uh in the conference so that's pretty good a big improvement on the last couple years for justin fuente in 2020 they were 76th in the country 14th in the conference so that was pathetic um that was like middle of the g5 pack level to be honest then in 2021 they were number 44 in the country 10th in the conference so a big jump there in 2022 i do like that let's get into this team a little bit uh The defense was 91st against the rush last year and 78th total defense. That's not great. Offense was 42nd uh, rushing, so that's decent. 112th of the pass, 98th total offense. They got five back on the offensive side of the ball, seven back on D. So interesting um grant wells transfers in on offense at quarterback he's from uh marshall decent quarterback so far in his uh career as far as the g5 level i don't know how well it's going to translate to the acc but like i said a lot of bad pass defenses in this country so maybe it'll be all right o-line has three of five back to uh protect them but there's very little depth or experience beyond those three of five so that's a little troublesome running back has some experience not really a defined star there. probably going to be A uh, running back committee there, wide receiver, nothing exciting as far as I'm seeing. Um, The transfers out on offense really hurt. Um, So nothing jumping off the page for me for this offense. Brent Pride being a defensive guy, I think that's going to be the more focused focal point of this team. Now, talking about the defense, uh, linebacker and cornerback have a ton of experience and talent. Linebacker Dax Holyfield projected third-team All-AAC player. Or ACC players, sorry. Um, As is free safety, Chamari Connor. Chamari, Chamari, your guess is as good as mine, but the dude's pretty legit. D line has some upperclassmen, but there's nothing jumping off the page yet. No projected all conference players, nothing like that. So let's get into the schedule. Let's see what we think. I'm thinking basically a subpar offense with a decent defense year one here. Um, Six and six last year. Vegas has the over under at six and a half. Um, but the over is plus one twenty, the under is minus one forty. So they are leaning to a six or less. Um, they start off the season at Old Dominion. Now, Old Dominion won in 2018 in, in Norfolk. The last time Virginia Tech decided to do this stupid, stupid move by traveling uh to their stadium. Old Dominion won 49-35. It, it really wasn't even it wasn't even that close. <laughs> so um uh, yeah, I, I got old Dominion getting this one done again. I mean, that's kind of a 50-50 game if I'm being honest, but I think Old Dominion is going to be pretty pumped up. There's nothing really established here for this Virginia Tech team, so I'm going to give the win to Old Dominion at home. Then they're going to bring Boston College into Blacksburg. Boston College won last year. Uh, they've won three of the last four matchups in this series, and I'm going to go Boston College there again. Wofford comes to town just 1-10 in, in the FCS last year. I got Virginia Tech getting the win. West Virginia comes to town. They won 27-21 last year. Uh, they are 29-23 against Virginia Tech all time. I got them getting this one as well. So it is one and three to start for Brent Pry and the Hokies. Then they're going to take a back to back road trip at UNC at Pitt. I got them dropping both of those. Uh, that is homecoming for Pitt. So good spot there. Does follow Notre Dame for uh, UNC. So maybe they're a little beat up from the battle in the trenches there. Possibly if UNC was to squeak out that Notre Dame game, could be an upset spot in Blacksburg. Interesting. But I do have them starting out one and six going into the bye week going at NC State. NC State also has a bye week. Virginia Tech has won five straight in this series, but I'm going NC State this time, getting it done at home. Uh, Then Virginia Tech brings Georgia Tech to town, so I do have a win there. It's second leg of a back-to-back for Georgia Tech, so good spot against a bad team. Speaking of bad teams, next they'll be going at Duke. Uh, Virginia Tech won 48-17 to last year. They won five of the last six against the Blue Devils. I do have Virginia Tech getting two wins in a row over Georgia Tech and Duke. Uh, they finished off the season going at Liberty. Liberty won in Blacksburg, 38-35 to 35 in 2020. I got Liberty getting it done again here. Hugh Freeze cooked something up, hopefully not from a hospital bed, hopefully on the sidelines, but I have Hugh Freeze getting it done there. Virginia is the final game of the season. Virginia won last year, 29-24. to Vautec uh, is 20-2 all-time since 2000. Or I'm sorry, 20-2 uh, since the year 2000 started. They're 60-38 and all-time. I do have I'm getting the win uh, emotionally at Blacksburg to end the season, which puts me at four and eight for Virginia Tech. I actually really do like this under, not a great value on it, minus 140, but I think it is a solid play under six and a half for the Hokies. So next up is another very interesting uh, team to talk about, the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, initially going into this team, I really didn't know which way I wanted to go with it. Uh, I, you know, I live in South Florida right now. Uh, I am a Notre Dame fan, honestly, but the, the Brian Kelly years were kind of dark for me. I, I, I'm i more of a fan of college football than I am, like one particular team in general. I think uh, sports betting has kind of made me that way. I root for so many different teams on a week to week basis that uh, while I love Notre Dame, the only other, like, true spot in my heart is hatred for Ohio State and, uh, lsu those are like my one and two most hated teams ohio state being the number one by far so um florida state's a team that i've always kind of followed and always kind of like yeah i think they're pretty cool uh i like a lot of the players that have come from there over the years i uh, love neon dion man always have um so you know And Jameis is is a laugh a minute. I I love that guy. (laughs) I I don't know what I think about him as far as a football player, but whatever. Like, his antics just crack me the fuck up. Um, But, yeah, so Florida State, this is a a team I didn't know what to do with the first time I read over them. I was like, okay, you know, they got hot at the end of last year. The guys maybe started buying into Mike Norvell. Maybe I thought this team was going to turn it around a little bit and start playing some football like the uh, Florida State of old. And I look at this roster this year and and like I tried to drink my own Kool-Aid on that and then and then second look when I came around to to record and and look at everything one more time like I always do I kind of flip-flopped. I think you have to look at this team with the lens of I think Mike Norvell has a very 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 short leash now. I think he's about out of time. It sucks for him. I don't necessarily think he's a terrible coach. Um, the last three years recruiting have all been top 25 recruiting classes, all fourth in the conference. That's not bad. You could probably do a little better at Florida State, but not much. This isn't the 19, you know, nineties. This isn't the early 2000s. It's, it's, you know, the face of the game has changed a little bit. Um, so Florida State's not necessarily uh, the marquee program that people always want to say it is. It, it hasn't been that way for a little while now. So being top 25 recruiting class, fourth in the conference, I really don't think that's too bad. Um, but, But I'm not seeing the players show up on the field. Now, that is what concerns me with Mike Norvell. Um, like I said, they bought in a little bit last year. Interesting pieces coming back. They got, uh, 82% of their total production from a year ago returning. That's 11th in the country. 90% of their defensive, uh, production returns. That's third in the country. So you got some coming back on defense. Now, was this defense good last year? They got seven starters back from a year ago. This was the 55th rushing defense, 66 total defense. So really kind of a middle of the pack defense, if we're being honest. Um, and not very good for a power five program. They got eight back on offense, the 52nd rushing offense from the last year, 80th total offense. So the offense really was disappointing. I'm really, really fucking sick of Florida state, not having an identifiable running back since cam Akers. That pisses me off. I want a good Florida state running back. I want an exciting Florida state quarterback. I want a big wide receiver, like a Calvin ben- or Kelvin Benjamin type. You know, I-, I want those things back here and it's, been a little while since we've seen it, and it's it's upsetting. Um, like I said, Norvell not doing too bad in recruiting as of late. Transfer portal number number eleven in the country, that's a good sign for this year. So so I do like that. Twenty twenty one, they went five and seven. They lost to Notre Dame. Jacksonville stayed at home, which is atrocious. They lost at Wake. They lost to Louisville at home. They lost at Clemson. They lost to NC State at home. And they lost at Florida, so they dropped home games. I mean, they lost to some okay teams, but nothing that when you think the, the, the program of Florida State, you think they should be able to beat uh, the better half of those teams that they lost to, so that's troubling. Like I said, they turned it on a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, this year, they bring back dual-threat quarterback Jordan Travis. I, I don't think he's anything phenomenal, if I'm being honest, but he's okay. Uh, wide receiver has experience, but they do tra- transfer in. Micah Pittman from Oregon. I do like that. I do really think that uh, that could be a difference maker. So that's interesting. O-line brings back four or five and adds a Wisconsin transfer. uh, Caden Lyles got to love getting an O-lineman from Wisconsin. That's a good sign. So four or five plus that. Running back has experience, but like I said, there's no identifiable superstar. Um, Only one of the O-linemen is projected over over all three all-conference teams. That's That's really the only player period that is projected to be all conference at any level there. So uh, like that kind of tells you everything, nothing jumping off the page on offense, some decent pieces, maybe an okay line. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I'm not excited about it. Uh, The defense, they lose Jermaine Johnson, uh, the second to the NFL. So that sucks. They do transfer in one of the top FCS prospects for this year, Uh, Jared Verse, who had 14 and a half sacks in 15 games last year at the FCS level. That's a pretty good land, and probably one of the reasons that they are 11th in the country in the transfer portal this year. They also bring in linebacker Tatum Bethune, who had 108 tackles from an in state opponent, UCF, last year. So that is also good. Secondary looks good. They got a projected first teamer, all ACC uh, safety, Jamie Robinson, and a projected uh, third team, all ACC player. Amari and Cooper, he is a cornerback. So defensively, you got some things that sound okay there. Don't love the offense, but here's this lens that I'm looking at this team through this year. It's that if things don't go well quickly, I think Mike Norvell will uh, see his way out by the middle of the season. So how does this schedule fare? Is it an easy schedule to start where maybe he can get some momentum and, and keep his job throughout the year and then we'll see what happens? Or is it gonna bury him fast? Well, they start off with Duquesne at home, seven and three FCS program last year. Did beat the OU Bobcats. Um, I gotta them beating them. I got to beat Duquesne, so that's a win. And then they play uh LSU at a very neutral site uh in New Orleans, clearly very neutral. I got basically no chance they beat LSU. I got Brian Kelly getting that one done, so they are one and one and go into their first bye week then they go at Louisville. Louisville won this game in uh, Doe Campbell last year, 31-23. Florida State has lost four of the last times they played Louisville. For some reason, when Florida teams go up to Louisville, like Louisville just – like they fucking hate Florida, I guess. There's always a battle. Even when these teams were good, it was tough to play there. So uh, I got the loss for Florida State going to Louisville. So one and two. Then they play Boston College. They bring Boston College uh, down to Tallahassee. Florida State got this win last year. They've won four of the last five matchups. I think Boston College is the better team, if I'm being honest. But I gave Florida State the win. So two and two. Then they bring Wake Forest to town for homecoming. Uh, Wake Forest won by 21 last year. They've won two straight. I think Wake Forest has a little too much firepower. Um, Bottom line, I think they only get one best-case scenario out of Boston College and Wake. So I went, they beat Boston College, lose the Wake. You could flip flop it either way. I think that's the outcome is a split. Then they go at NC state, which does follow Clemson for NC state. So that's interesting. But uh, NC state won by two touchdowns last year. They've won four of the last five against Florida state. I got them getting it done at home here. So that is two and four for Florida state. Then they bring Clemson to town to me. This is the entire season for Florida state. Uh, This is it. This is the turning point. This is a second leg of a back-to-back for Clemson. They don't, do that often. (laughs) So, all right. Can you get it done? Florida state. Can you beat Clemson? Clemson, won 30 to 20 last year. They've won six straight. I just don't think Florida state gets it done. Even at home, even on the second leg of a back-to-back for Clemson. I got the loss. I think that is it. I think that is a two and five start for uh, Mike Norvell at best and going into a bye week That's a good time to fire a coach. I think he's gone at that point, which really uh, affects what I think about the rest of the season. So I think they get a win out of the bye week at home against Georgia Tech. Uh, Neither team might have a coach at that point, so whatever, win. Then they go at Miami, at Syracuse. I have two losses there. They bring Louisiana Lafayette to town. Honestly, if they don't have Mike Dorvell, if they don't have a coach, I got them losing that game. Sorry, they lost to Jacksonville State last year. Louisiana Lafayette lost a ton, but they're still good enough. I got off Florida State dropping that game and then the final game of the year uh, against Billy Napier's new team over there in Florida. It's the second leg of a or it's, it's in Tallahassee second leg of a back to back for Florida. Florida just edged them out last year by three. they've won three straight. Um, hey, if they don't have a coach, Billy Napier's gonna ride in a little bit of a momentum get this rivalry done. No matter how your first year as a head coach goes, you gotta win the rivalries. I think Florida gets it done in this scenario. I have Florida State all the way down to three and nine on the grounds that I don't think Mike Norvell will be there after the Clemson game. I am on this under at minus one twenty. I feel uh, I feel pretty decent about it, but it all comes down to what you think about Mike Norvell and his future with this program. I'm in the opinion I really think uh, Dion's walking through that door real soon here. So let's see. Next up, you have the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, they're bringing a lot back, particularly on offense. 89% of their production from last year on offense does return. That's sixth in the country, and it was a really good offense. The 22nd rushing offense, 21st total offense. They have seven coming back on that side of the ball. Um, This team only went 6-6 and last year. Satterfield in and off of the hot seat. It's interesting. He's a really interesting head coach. I think he's a hell of a coach, honestly. I think he's going to do really good. I think winning at Louisville is harder than uh, it gets credit for. I think Louisville, honestly, is a little too big for their britches, some, britches sometimes, if, if if I'm being uh, frank. So Satterfield, uh, 2020, they were the 42nd team in the country recruiting-wise, 6th in the conference. 2021, they were 40th in the country, ninth in the conference. 2022, 51st in the country, 7th in the conference. Not great, but uh, this year he's landed a couple big recruits already for the next season, for next year. Um, I think Satterfield's starting to use a little bit of that NIL money. I think the program of Louisville football is buying in, in addition to having a good basketball team. You don't see basketball schools do that with football all the time. I mean, look at Duke. Look at uh, Kansas. UNC is one of the exceptions. They're kind of buying in with Mack Brown there. I think Louisville's on the UNC train of thought. I think they're bought into the football program. So that is good. And I think Satterfield might just be the guy get over the hole. He tried for the South Carolina job. You got to get past that. But I think he can really do some big things here. Um, They, they, all right, well, let's just look at it. Let's look at this offense. Malik Cunningham is back at quarterback. a very, very, very nationally underappreciated quarterback. If I'm being honest, he had almost 4,000 yards and 39 touchdowns between the run and, and, and air game last year. A true dual threat quarterback, probably one of the best, like college style quarterbacks in the entire FBS. Does not get enough love. I really like Malik Cunningham. Jalen Mitchell is back from running at running back, uh, one of the leading rushers from last year, as well as they transfer in Tyan Evans, who was really good at Tennessee last year, very explosive. So two really good running backs. Tight end Marshawn Ford is a beast. Um, he's their leading returning receiver and he's projected first team all AAC or ACC. So a lot coming back there. They lose a little bit at wide receiver, but they do transfer in D Wiggins from Miami. I really like that. O-line brings back four. I think this offense is going to be firing. I think it'll even improve on the 21st total ranking from last year. Now seven back on defense also, but they were the 95th passing defense, 84th total defense in the country last year. Not great. Um, D-line only returns uh, seniors Yaya Diaby, D-A-B, whatever. He's pretty good. The rest of the D-line, eh, not so much. Linebackers looking good this year with uh, returning last year. Uh, second team are all, all ACC player Yasir Abdullah. He's also projected second team this year. Uh, quarter Cornerback Ky, Kytrell Clark is a projected first-team ACC player, so that's looking really good. Three of four in the secondary are returning starters, plus they transfer in some guys from Florida State and USC. I really like the look of the defense at least getting a little bit better. I don't think they're going to be a stellar defense, but they need to be a little bit better to let that offense at least get some separation in games. Uh They'll put up a lot of points. They just got to stop giving up so many. And uh, they could turn the corner from the six and six they posted last year. Um, All right. So let's get into it. Vegas sees six and a half as the number. Over is minus 125. Under is plus 105, as I see it right now. They're going to start off the season on a back to back road trip. They start off at Syracuse, who they beat 41 to three last year, and at UCF, who they beat 42 to 35 last year. Um, I have them splitting it. I have them getting the win over Syracuse, losing at UCF. That's a tough place to play down there in Orlando. Uh UCF going to be looking for a little bit of revenge there. Very close game last year. So, um, and I believe that was when Dylan Gabriel went down, was that game, I think. So um I do have them losing there in the rematch to the Knights. Florida State comes to town and USF comes to town. Florida State does have a bye before this game. I just don't think their offense is going to be able to keep up with Louisville. So I have Louisville getting the win. Plus, like I said, very chippy environment for some reason when these Florida teams come to Louisville. Then USF, it's the second leg of a back-to-back. They're a much lesser program, so easy win there. Then they go on another back-to-back road trip themselves. They go at Boston College, at Virginia. It's homecoming for Virginia. Um, I have them losing at Boston College. I think Boston College has a strong enough defense, and they have Jerkovich. I think they are going to be able to win a very, very close game at home. But I do have Louisville beaten Virginia. Uh, Virginia won last year 34-33. to 33. They've won three of the last four, but I remember that game. Virginia honestly should not have won that. It was some Brennan Armstrong magic at the end of the game to get it done. I got Louisville getting it done this year, even on the road, even on the second leg of a back-to-back. Then it's going to be a bye week, and they're going to bring Pitt to town. It's homecoming for Louisville. Pitt also snags a bye before. Pitt has won six of the last seven. However, I think Louisville's going to get it done. Malik Cunningham. Um, A little more fluidity to this offense. I think it's a shootout. Um, Pitt probably has the better defense, but I think Louisville's going to be able to move the ball enough on this Pitt team. I think the home field advantage helps them get it done, win. Wake Forest comes to town. At the end of the day, what I really think is Pitt and Wake, you're going to split it. It's going to be two shootouts. Wake just beat Louisville by three last year, so barely beat them at home. So I think you're going to win one of those two games. I gave them the win over Pitt. The loss to Wake could go either way. Then James Madison comes to town. James Madison snags a bye before this game. Um, (laughs) I really would be more confident in James Madison winning this game if they were still FCS. Being at their FBS, it just for some reason makes me think this is going to be a very, very, very close game, but I think Louisville just edges them out and gets it done. I have Louisville picking up the win. Then Louisville goes at Clemson. It's after Notre Dame for Clemson, so we'll see what happens in that Notre Dame game, Um, how stoked they are on, on this particular matchup. Clemson won 30-24 to last year. They're 7-0 all-time against Louisville. I have them getting it done here again at home in Death Valley. Then North Carolina State comes to town. A really hyped-up North Carolina State team. They beat Louisville 28-13 to last year. However, Louisville has won four of the last seven in this matchup. I got Louisville getting them at home. I think they're going to be pumped up for this game. I think the crowd's going to be rocking. I think they're going to beat an overrated NC State team. Final game of the year, rivalry game at Kentucky. This is an interesting one, ladies and gentlemen. Kentucky has owned Louisville recently, okay? Owned them. And I really think they would beat them, beat their ass again this year, no question. However, Georgia plays Kentucky the week before, and it's on the second leg of a back-to-back to Kentucky. These SEC teams, they struggle when they go play at Kentucky. Just watch out. I got Louisville losing this Kentucky game. However... If Kentucky beats Georgia at home, Louisville, I think, will smack up Kentucky. I think even though it's a major rivalry, these two teams hate each other. These fan bases hate each other. Um, I think Kentucky's going to be way partied out. They're going to be way hungover for this game, and I think Louisville gets them. So uh, I have them at 7-5 and five here with even a couple games that I think they could honestly get that I gave them losses for um i'm buying into satterfield i think he's going to turn things around i think he's going to properly use the nil um and, and what it really comes down to is i think this team the roster wise is probably close to a six and six team however it's the acc which is a very unpredictable conference and you have one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country um one of the best college style quarterbacks since you know i, I mean you know recent history but malik willis um, one of the best college-style quarterbacks since Lamar Jackson, like that kind of player. I think Malik Cunningham is right along those lines, and I think that buys you a win or two extra. I got them 7-5, and five, which is over the 6.5, but I think their ceiling's 8 or 9. I really like this over. I wouldn't call it my favorite in the conference, but it is a team I am going to be a little bullish on this year, I think. That'll bring us to Boston College. Um, they, returning production-wise, it's it's not great uh total just 60 percent of their production returns from a year ago that's 89th in the country a little bit more on defense than there is on offense but it's nothing special on either side of the ball this team hasn't been recruiting too great uh 2020 that was uh 61st in the country number 11th in the conference they've gone up every year since uh as far as in the conference however they dropped three spots from 21 to 2022 nationally. So and still middle to uh lower end of the pack in the conference. So nothing special recruiting wise. Transfer portal number 108 in the country. So that's not great. Last year this team went six and six. However, Phil Jerkovic was hurt for uh, like four games there. They they went or I'm sorry six games there. So they went two and four uh, with Jerkovic hurt. Four and two with Jerkovic playing. So complete opposite scenarios there when he's in. He's he's an NFL caliber guy. Some people are saying a first-round quarterback prospect. I could see it. The guy was a Notre Dame recruit. Uh, Brian Kelly never really got him involved. And Jerkovic's had some things to say about how limited a quarterback really uh, is by Brian Kelly offenses. I mean, I can remember seeing it all the way back to Everett Golston where you know, everything's just scripted. If it's not there on the first look, you just scramble and run. And, and that's what Brian Kelly does The quarterbacks. It's nothing sexy. That's why he's never needed a great quarterback to succeed there because he he doesn't develop them. He doesn't really do much with them. So it's a very particular quarterback to be in that system, and I can see why Jerkovic uh, didn't like it. So Jeff Hafley's back as uh, head coach for Boston College for the third year. He's 12 and 11 there. I really like that hire. Uh, Jeff Haffley coming from Ohio state to coach the Boston college Eagles. I think he's doing a really good job and I think he's going to continue to improve this program offensively. Um, they got five back from last year. They're the 106 passing offense, 103rd total offense. Again, I think a lot of that was just because of jerk Quebec being out uh, seven back on defense though, which was the 31st scoring defense in the country third in the passing defense in the country. So, Fantastic in conference, obviously in a conference that has a lot of great quarterbacks, uh, they held up really well against it. And, um, they got one of the best pass defenses in this conference in general, 28th total defense from a year ago. So really good unit there for the Boston college Eagles. Um, it's good that they uh, do have more production coming back on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, seven starters, um, <clears throat> quarterback is going to still be Phil Jerkovic. So he is back. He does have his leading wide receiver from a year ago, Zay Flowers. That guy is also an NFL talent. And then they have a 1,000-yard running back, Pat Garwo, the third. He's coming back. So a lot, a lot coming back on offense as far as, like, star names. However, the old line only returns one. And basically the rest of the offense, all the guys that uh, the names aren't jumping off the page, they're all pretty much unproven. So a couple question marks there. I like the main pieces, but really got to see how the rest falls in around them before uh, we know too much about that offense. Three of five uh, defensive backs from the third-ranked pass defense last year return, including first-team projected all-ACC player Nickelback Josh DeBerry and projected third-teamer strong safety Jaden Woodbay. So that is a good sign for that defense to be, uh, continue being really good against the pass, which is super important in this conference this year. Linebackers in D-line aren't looking too great this year, though. They ranked 92nd in rushing defense last year. Uh, they were 96th in the country in sacks per game. So they really got to figure out how to pressure the quarterback a little bit more and how to get more physical in the trenches and stop the run. That would make them a complete defense, raise that total from uh, 28th, even up into probably the top 20 ranking in the country, possibly even in the top 15. Uh, all right, so let's get into it. Vegas thinks this team, the over-under, is set at 6.5. Over is plus 120. Under is minus 140. They're going to start off the season by bringing Rutgers to town. Boston College is 20-6 all-time, 5-0 and, six all time, five and oh in the 2000s. Um, and they beat them most recently in 2019, 30-16. to 16. I got them getting this one done. I, ha- I have them beating – uh, Greg Schiano and Rutgers at home. Then they go on the road. They play Virginia Tech. I think they're way above what Virginia Tech is right now. I got them getting uh, what's probably going to be like a 21-17 to 17 win there. Then they're going to bring 6-5 FCS Maine to town. I have another win, so 3-0 and o for me for Boston College. They go at Florida State. They are 5-14 all-time against Florida State, 1-11 in the last 12 matchups. Um, I'm sorry, only one win in the last 11 matchups. And Florida State won last year, 26 to 23. I think Boston College is the better team. Um, However, it's on the road. And uh, I think Florida State's still playing a little bit tough at that point. So I'll give the win to Florida State here to be conservative. Louisville comes to town. After that, I have Boston College getting the win. Um, Then Clemson comes to town. It's homecoming for Boston College, which is unfortunate. Uh, Clemson has won 11 straight, including 19 to 13 last year over Boston College. I'm going to give Clemson the edge here, even being on the road. So I have Boston College starting off 4-2, and two, heading into the bye week. And then after the bye week, they go on a back-to-back road trip. They go at Wake Forest. Wake has a bye before this game as well. Wake won last year 41-10. They've won three of the last four matchups between the Eagles and themselves. So I got Wake getting it done again here. And then they go and play Jim Mora and the Huskies uh, in Connecticut. UConn has a bye before. It's homecoming for UConn. Boston College is 12-0 all-time against UConn. in the 2000s. Just watch out. I think this could be an interesting game. I think it could be a little closer than people are expecting, but I do have Boston College getting the win. Um, Then Duke comes to town. Duke has a bye before. I don't care. I'm giving Boston College the win over Duke anyway. They take another back-to-back road trip at NC State, at Notre Dame. I have them taking both of those as L's. Um, However, it is before the USC game for Notre Dame, so potential look-ahead spot. Notre Dame, 8-0 since 2009 against Boston College, however, so I do have them getting it done. And then they finish off the year with a game at home against Syracuse. It's the second leg of a back-to-back for Syracuse. Cuse did win last year, 21-6. They were 33-22 and all-time against Boston College, but Boston College has at least won three of the last five. I have them getting it done here. That puts me at 7-5 and for BC. I do have the over, um, and I do like this team enough that I would say that the over plus 120 is a pretty good value For this roster, Uh, you got a quarterback like Jerkovic in there. You do have a good pass defense in a conference where that is really, really important. So uh, I kind of like Boston College here for this season, and I like the over at plus 120. That will take us to a team that does not have a good pass defense or really a lot of anything that is any good. It is the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Returning production-wise, total returning production all the way down to 123rd in the country, just 51% of their production from a year ago returns as a whole. Now, the only thing saving their ass is offensively, they have 59% of their production returning for 84%. That's because Brennan Armstrong comes back along with basically all of his wide receivers. Huge, huge. Um, That's going to be what keeps this team in games. Uh, Conference-wise, their recruiting numbers, middle of the pack, Uh, to end of the pack, basically. Only one decent year under Obama Hall. That was in 2021, where they were number 33rd in the country, uh, sixth in the conference, so just a little above middle of the pack. Transfer portal this year, number 47 in the country. It's Tony Elliott's first year as head coach. He's been uh, the running back offensive coordinator, assistant head coach for Clemson since 2011, all the way up to 2021 last year, so long time in uh, Clemson in conference uh, as well. So interesting. Four starters back on offense, but they are like the four best from the offense last year. This was the 21st scoring offense, only 105th rushing offense last year, but second passing offense, third total offense. Five back on defense, 123rd against the rush, 121st overall. So awful defense. Um, Brennan Armstrong is back, as I said, 4,500 yards last year almost. Uh, and 31 TDs. He also had 251 yards and nine TDs on the ground. Very nice there. Wide receiver returns a ton, as I alluded to. Dontavian Wicks is back. Keon or Keitayon Thompson, who's a really explosive player. I, I watched him a lot last year. I like him. And Billy Kemp, the fourth, all back. And also, uh, star receiver from 2020 that was hurt all of last year. Wide receiver Lavelle Davis Jr. He's six foot seven. He is back after missing. An year last year so wide receivers are stacked up for Brennan Armstrong he should have another monster season but the only thing you got to worry about is they have nothing back on the O-line at all no returning starters this team was raided through the transfer portal as far as the O-line major major concern here nothing identifiable really back at running back either I think Tony Elliott will kind of make a rushing game be a priority that is his forte so I really think he's going to He's going to try to figure that thing out. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I honestly think their strongest runner this year is also going to be Brennan Armstrong. (laughs) Um, Scattered starters back from a horrible defense last year. Only really good thing I could say is linebacker Nick Jackson had 117 tackles. He's projected a second team, all ACC. So I guess that's fine. Um, The defense is going to suck. Everything on this team is going to suck except for the passing game, if we're being frank. Now, Vegas sets the over-under at 7.5. Seems like a pretty big uh, number for a team with a lot of new shit. And, and All the negative things I just said, over is plus 120, under is minus 140. So even Vegas being like, well, maybe we set that a little too high, huh? Uh, but let's get into the schedule. I think I know why the number is where it is. They start off the season against FCS Richmond. They were 6-5 and five last year. Richmond also is the team that beat Bronco Mendenhall in his very first game at Virginia. They started off his uh, tenure there with a loss at home against an FCS program in state. So that sucked, (laughs) but um, I don't think Tony Elliott's going to go the same route. I think he gets it done. They beat Richmond game one. Then they go at Illinois. Virginia beat this team 42 to 14 last year. I don't think a crazy amount of Illinois. I think Bilama's going to get that team turned around uh, quicker than expected, but I don't think they're going to be like a dominant team this year or anything. they Got their ass beat. They got their shit pushed in last year by Virginia. However, here's the thing. Here's what we know about a B-Lemon team. It's going to be strong in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And and as far as I could tell, that's going to be the major weakness of this Virginia team on both sides of the ball. I'm actually going to go Illinois to get this one done. Virginia loses. Then they're going to play Old Dominion, second leg of a back-to-back for Old Dominion. I got them getting the win. They go at Syracuse, at Duke consecutively. I think they split that. I got them losing to Syracuse, winning against Duke. Um, then Louisville comes to town. It's homecoming for Virginia. Second leg of a back-to-back for Louisville. However, I think Louisville is, uh, is just too good for this Virginia team this year. So I have them starting off three and three going into the bye week. They come out of the bye week. They got Georgia Tech who also has a bye. Um, I think they still have too much fire team for this yellow jackets team. I got them getting the win. Then November 5th, they bring Miami, Florida to town. Uh, Virginia won last year, 30 to 28. The last three of these matchups, I think it was because of COVID, but the last three of these matchups have all been played in Miami. So that's interesting. Typically you have a little more alternation there. Alternating is what I meant to say. Um, But Miami has won five of the last seven in this matchup. It's November 5th in Virginia. So that's a a Florida team traveling up north later in the season. I do have Miami getting the win, but tread lightly there. Um, Then North Carolina comes to town. UNC beat Virginia last year, 59 to 39. Virginia had won the previous four. I do have Virginia losing this game as well. That's an interesting stretch. They got another home game after that. They played Pitt, which Pitt won last year by 10. Pitt's won five in the last six. I have them getting the win over Pitt and losses against Miami and North Carolina. Really interesting stretch. Pretty much your whole entire over under comes down to that stretch for me. Um, They're going to bring Coastal Carolina to town after that. I got them getting that win, and I have them losing on the road against rival Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. So um, I have this team 6-6. and That's really around what I think they'll be. Um, The schedule just really, really sucks. I mean, I do have them losing to Illinois. I do have them losing to Syracuse. Uh, I have them losing two of three games at home there towards the end of the season. I have them losing to Virginia Tech. Like this team, there really is – had to get over the seven and a half. I know that number seems high, but uh, the schedule sucks. So uh, I actually lean towards the over as the play. I'm not going to bet this one, but even though I have them six and six, I lead towards the over at the plus 120 because there is a definite path to get there with how terrible that schedule is. Next up, let's talk a little bit about the UNC Tar Heels, uh, North Carolina with Mac Brown there. They're bringing back a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Seventy-eight percent of their returning production a year ago from a year ago is uh, twenty-six in the country. That's uh, twenty-six best. Not bad. Not a lot coming back on offense. Under fifty percent of their total offensive production. Obviously, Howell leaving that hurts. Um, multiple pieces going out the door. Uh, recruiting wise, this team's been in the top three for the last three years. Very good for Mac Brown in his tenure there in North Carolina. Transfer portal number forty-three this year. Last year they went six and six um Mac Brown in his second stint at UNC is 21 and 17 last year, or so far. Last year was a major uh disappointment I think. They were they were top 10 to start the season which was uh ridiculous as far as I could tell but uh I wasn't so much surprised by the 6 and 6 season. I'll, I'll just put it that way. They got four back on offense. This was the 19th scoring offense last year, 18th rushing offense, 10th total, seven back on defense different story than offense they're 105th scoring 97th against the rush 94th total quarterback this year is a competition there's really no identifiable star uh, identifiable star there but they will be throwing the wide receiver josh downs one of the best returning wide receivers in the entire country this year and antoine green so nice weapons back there at wide receiver two of five back uh on the o-line which is probably going to be blocking for a platoon of running backs Um, none of which I've really identified to be the star yet. So offense, a little bit of a mixed bag here. Some pieces coming back. You always expect a decent uh, offense with Mac Brown, but I don't think it's going to be as strong as last year. Now, Gene Chizik comes in as defensive coordinator after a horrible defensive output last year. However, there was a lot of injuries last year. This defense was supposed to be really good last year. They underperformed due to those injuries and just, the way they under-reformed the entire season, if I'm being honest. But this D-line is stacked with potential. They need to improve against the run, which I think will happen with Gene Chizik. Linebacker's a little thin on experience, but they do return a top-leading tackler from last year, Cedric Gray. Secondary has a ton of potential with Storm Duck, Tony Grimes, and Jaquarius Conley. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to call for a huge, huge, huge improvement On this defense, I love the Gene Chizik hire. Uh, He's been around for a long time. He knows this game inside and out. Um, I think this defense is going to really live up a little bit more to the expectations that this team had last year. Offense, major setback. Defense, major step forward. All right, so Vegas saying over under seven and a half. Still a high bar set by Vegas. Over is plus 115. Under is minus 135, so they're leaning a little more to seven or less. Uh, let's start it off. They got nine and three FCS playoff team last year, Florida A&M coming to town to start the season number 24. The coaches poll in this uh, 22, 22 season to start off here, but I have North Carolina getting it done. Then they take an interesting road trip for a power five team uh, at Appalachian state in Boone, North Carolina, and then at Georgia state. So really interesting there. Um, I got them splitting it. Just not necessarily the way you would probably think. I think North Carolina knows the deal here uh, with Appalachian State. I don't think they're going to overlook that game. I think they're going to be very focused for that game. App State beat them 34-31 to in Chapel Hill in 2019, okay? I think they're ready for that game. So I have North Carolina getting that one done. However, even though they waxed Georgia State last year, 59-17, to I think that's the game that they kind of overlook in this stretch, and I think Georgia State gets them in a very, very close game. I have UNC starting off 2-1 and one with a bye week after that. Then they bring Notre Dame to town. Notre Dame 20-2 uh, and all-time against UNC. Uh, UNC's only picked up one game in the 2000s, one victory over Notre Dame in the 2000s. Notre Dame won 44-34 last year. Uh, I think Notre Dame's basically, they're just too physical of a team. I think that continues with Marcus Freeman. Uh, so I do have Notre Dame getting the win in Chapel Hill here, but you got to love that they do get a bye before it. Evens the playing field a little bit. Virginia Tech comes to town after that. Virginia Tech did win last year uh, 17-10. to Uh, But it was that huge opener in Blacksburg last year. If you saw the videos, it was the first game in Blacksburg after the COVID season. Shit was just bananas there. It's one of the coolest videos I've ever seen. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, First game back in Blacksburg after the COVID season. Like brings a little tear to your eye. UNC's only beaten Virginia Tech in one of the last five matchups, but I do have them beating them here at home in Chapel Hill. Then they take another back-to-back road trip at Miami, Florida, at Duke. I have them losing at Miami, beating Duke. Um, Also, Miami's kind of been been owned by UNC. The last three years, straight Mack Browns beat Miami, so watch out for that one. That could be two straight wins, but being two straight road games, I do have UNC losing on the road to Miami. By week after that back to back stretch, they bring Pitt to town. It's homecoming for UNC. Second leg of a back to back for Pitt. Pitt did beat them in overtime last year at home, 30 to 23. Um, they've won two straight, but they lost the previous six. I have Mac Brown getting it done here, beating Pitt. I have UNC winning at West Virginia uh, and then losing another second leg of a back to back road trip to Wake Forest. So UNC does have three back to back road trips this year. That sucks. I have them losing the second leg of this one to Wake Forest. <laughs> Um, Then they finish off the season bringing Georgia Tech to town and North Carolina State, second leg of a back-to-back for NC State. I have them getting both wins. So I have this team going 8-4. and I actually really like this play. I think North Carolina uh, overrated last year. I think they're going to play more to what what, uh, people aren't expecting this year. I I think they're going to perform well. I think they're going to get over the 7.5. I I really like them at 8 or 9 this year. I like the over at plus 115. I probably will be playing that this year if I'm being honest. Next up, let's talk about the Pitt Panthers. Um, all right, 74% of their returning production total as a group is coming back. That's good for 32nd in the country. Most of it is actually defensive, um, although it is it is close to a 50-50 split between the two, but it is 75% on defense coming back for 35th in the country. Um, they got eight back on offense, though, interestingly. It's just, you know, when you lose somebody like Kenny Pickett, that counts for a little more production. So eight back on offense, seven back on defense for this team. They were a really good offense last year. Uh, not so much on the ground, which is interesting, though. The pit You always think they have a good running back. So not been the case really recently. I mean, you had Mark Whipple there. There's uh, Mark Whipple is out now, and there's been a little bit of fireworks between him and Narduzzi since Mark Whipple left. Um, so that's interesting. But Mark Whipple, not known for running the ball, known for passing. This team did have the third scoring offense, eighth passing offense, eighth total offense last year. Defense, they were sixth against the run, 115th against the pass. Not great there, but still good for 29th total in the uh total defense in the country. Uh, Narduzzi, this is his eighth year as head coach. He's 53 and 37. I think uh, last year kind of saved him. I think he was getting close, close to being on a hot seat, but um, last year saved him a little bit. You know, I mean, he went 10 and 2, but they still did the very pit thing and lost to Western Michigan, which was ridiculous. Uh, recruiting wise, uh really fell off last year this year surprisingly 2022 number 76 in the country that's somewhere in the middle of like g5 territory 14th in the conference so uh last year they were 29th in the country fifth in the conference they went all the way down to 76 and 14 that's pretty crazy after having a 10 and 2 season so really interesting um i wonder how much of that mark whipple had to do with or, or 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 what but uh Anyway, Whipple gone, but in comes Frank Signetti Jr., a longtime NFL college offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. Uh, his last job in college was 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 last year, uh, Boston College. He was uh, offensive coordinator from 2020 to 2021. Keaton Slovis transfers in to fill in for Kenny Pickett at quarterback. He's from USC, so a big transfer there. But it was basically a trade for Keaton Slovis for Jordan Addison, who bailed to USC. Uh, Addison, a stud, stud wide receiver leaving the program really hurts. But they do have some uh returning production still at wide receiver, and they bring you in Akron transfer, freshman all-American Konata Muttfield, which really uh a, a big pickup. When you're talking this kid was a freshman All-American from Akron, that's huge. Five back on the O line and uh Signetti, even though he's a quarterback coach. Uh, traditionally throughout his history, he he runs the ball a lot as an offensive coordinator. So I do expect a lot more rushing out of this offense under Signetti than had been under uh, under Whipple. I almost said nipple. Whipple. Um, Six all-ACC players return on their defense. uh, All-conference players on the D-line. Linebacker – or I'm sorry, two all-conference players projected on the D-line. Linebacker and leading tackler. All-ACC uh, projected player Servoka, Cervoka? Dennis returns. I don't know how to say that, but whatever. If you know, good for you. Uh, secondary loaded with all ACC honorable uh, mention, free safety Eric Hallett II, and projected second teamer uh, this year, strong safety Brandon Hill. So a lot coming back on defense that you have to really like. Uh, let's see what we think about this team as far as season long. 2021, as I said, they went 10-2. and this year they're projected over under is minus or is eight and a half. Over is minus 125. Under is plus 105. They're gonna start off the season. The backyard brawl is back, baby. West Virginia comes to pit to play at stupid Heinzfield or whatever the fuck they're calling it now. They changed the name. It's it's Heinz Field. The catch up is in the background. Like, don't 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 be ridiculous. However, um I, I I hate that Pitt plays at an NFL stadium anyway. I hate when college teams play at an NFL stadium. It really ruins home field advantage. Only thing that helps out Pitt is Heinz, or whatever you want to call it, Uh, still has the long grass as opposed to turf. It really slows down teams like you saw Clemson go there and lose last year. Hyper-athletic teams have trouble going there and keeping up with their fast-paced style of play. Okay, so the backyard brawl, back to that. Pitt is 61-40 and all-time in the backyard brawl but they did lose three straight the last three times these games were played from 9 to 2011. I do have Pitt getting this one done, first game of the season at home. I think it's it's way too big of a deal for Pitt to drop this game. I'm going to have them get the win over West Virginia. Next up, Tennessee comes to town. Uh, Pitt beat them last year 41-34. to Here's the thing. I gave Pitt a loss here. It could be a win. It just really seems like two games that Pitt would split. So I gave Tennessee the win here. They could start off 2-0 take it or leave it all right next up at western michigan as i said western michigan beat this team last year 44 to 41 um really ridiculous loss for Pitt to have they're gonna beat the hell out of western michigan this year though they're two and one then they play seven and four fcs team from a year ago rhode island they are projected to uh be ranked 14 in the fcs this year i still got pit getting it done then they bring georgia tech and virginia tech to town both teams have that's the second leg of a back-to-back road trip for them I have Pitt winning both, so I have Pitt starting off 5-1 and one with a pretty good chance of it being 6-0, and oh, if I'm being honest. I, I, I mean, if all the dominoes fell the way that they should, this team would be 6-0 and oh going into the bye week. Coming out of the bye week, they're going to go on a back-to-back road trip at Louisville, at North Carolina. Both of those teams have buys before Pitt. Both of those teams, it is their homecoming game against Pitt. I do have Pitt losing both of those games. So I am two now, five and three. Then they bring Syracuse to town. I have Pitt getting the win there. They go at Virginia. I do have Pitt losing that. However, that's a real 50 50 game, maybe even more so on the side of Pitt. Just seems like a game Pitt would lose for some stupid reason. Then they bring Duke to town. Easy win for me there. And then they go at Miami of Florida. Miami did win last year, 38 to 34. Pitt is just two and 12 since the year 2000 against Miami. I have Miami getting it done. That puts me at pit at 7 and 5. However, I am leaning over on this team at minus 125. Like I said, I gave them a loss in those first six games. I really think they could start off 6 and 0. Oh. They could split Louisville in North and North Carolina even though those two games are really favorable for those teams. They could beat Virginia um, and really they could beat Miami. Honest to God, this team could be 12 and 0. Oh. Uh so I would lean to the over side of things, but I I'm, I'm not going to play this one if I'm being 100% honest. Pitt is just like way too much of an unpredictable wildcard team that could lose any stupid game, to really feel uh, feel yourself on a on a prediction there. Shout out to XFL Jim though, um, who did call for Pitt to win the ACC last year, and I think he even predicted like ten and zero or ten and two or eleven and one something like that. So shout out XFL Jim, really good prediction. All right, so moving on to Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons, ten and two last year lost two road games at UNC at Clemson. They bring back uh, 70%, 71% of their total uh, production from a year ago. That's 47th in the country. 79% of their offense from last year, uh, production-wise, comes back. That's 30th in the country, and that's good because that's what this team does well. They have nine back on offense, which was the fourth scoring offense in of the country last year, 12th passing offense, 11th total, um, and they had a you know middle-of-the-pack run game as well defensively however they bring six but it was the 111th rush defense and 91st total defense a year ago this team's built for shootouts they don't play great defense so it's hard to get like super behind them but their offense can hang in there with anybody in the country talent wise uh this team's traditionally towards the back of the pack uh recruiting acc as as far as those ranking goes um and and really kind of meandering in like uh, like upper level to to even like lower lower uh like middle of the pack g5 i guess is what i'm trying to say um uh, like boise recruits better than this team basically is what i'm getting at um so dave Claussen, who's back for year nine has head coach 51 and 48 all time what i'm saying is is he does a fuck of a job coaching these players up considering that they're not as talented as the rest of the teams in the conference as far as on paper um uh, this team, you got Sam Hartman back at quarterback, 4,200 yards and 39 TDs last year. That's amazing. Uh wide receiver Jakari Roberson is gone, but six foot five AT Perry, who had almost 1,300 yards and 15 TDs. He is back as long, as well as uh two other wide receivers and uh Donovan Green, who was in, injured last year. He was a stud the year before. O-line returns five starters. Running back's gonna be a committee. They did lose Christian Beale Smith, who I really liked. Uh, Dave Colossum doing it with the running backs here lately. Kenneth Walker, who obviously blew it up for uh, Michigan State last year. Amazing running back last year for them. Uh, he was with Dave Claussen before he transferred out. And then Christian Smith was really good, too. So maybe we'll find a uh, another identifiable star there on the, as, as running back. But as of now, uh, there's nobody. It kind of looks like a committee situation. Brad Lambert comes up to coach this D now. He is going to be the defensive coordinator um, and improve their – shithouse of a defense. Um, he was co-D coordinator last year for Purdue, who really came up a little bit last year, and their defense was pretty decent. For this Wake Forest team, the secondary and the linebackers are kind of a mess. However, the D-line does have some potential. Uh, Defensive end Rondell Bothroyd is a projected all-ACC second-teamer. Um, And you do have cornerback Kalen Carson, who is a projected third-team all-ACC uh, player. So there's some pieces there. I would focus on the defensive line, try to get after the quarterback and maybe force a couple turnovers. Um, I don't think you have too much room to improve with the with the roster that they have, to be honest, but I do like the Lambert hire, and I think it is going to make the defense a little bit better if I'm being uh, truthful. So 10-2 last year. Vegas says 8.5 this year. Overs plus 110, under minus 130. Um Let's get into it. Six and five FCS program last year. Virginia Military Institute, BMI. They're coming to town. Um, I got I got a week getting the win there. Nothing crazy uh, at Winston-Salem. So then they go at Vanderbilt. Uh, battle of two gross uh, programs right there. As far as uh, color-wise, uniform color-wise, I was thinking of the fact that Brad Lambert also coached at Purdue, which is like the same color uniforms. And then I glanced down at the fact that they play Army, there's all that like mustard or gold color mixed with white and black, like all kinds of shit like that all over this schedule. It's just kind of like blowing my mind. That's why I'm like stumbling over my words a little bit. Okay, so win over Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. Um, I got them beating Liberty at home. It's homecoming for Wake. I got them getting it done. Then they bring Clemson to town. Um, look. This could be the game that you point at and you say Clemson could lose that game. They they were terrible last year. You know, their offense sucks. I don't know what to make out of their offense. I don't know if DJU is going to improve. Here's the thing. Clemson won this game by three touchdowns last year. They beat Wake 13 times in a row. I can't just give a win to Wake just because they're at home against Clemson, against a team that's proven year in and year out, that they're just the better program. It sucks. I wish Wake would go out there and beat the shit out of Clemson. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I got Wake starting off three and one. Then you go at Florida State homecoming for Florida State. Like I said, this is a a big no. I I don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't say anything <laughs> at Florida State. I got a win, even though it's homecoming for Florida State. Florida State or uh, Wake won by three touchdowns last year. They've won two straight. I got them getting the win done here again. I'm sorry, I'm doing this alone. It's a long one. It's kind of hard to keep all my thoughts completely fluid. So. Bear with me if I stumble a little bit here and there. Then they're going to bring Army to town. Wake did beat Army last year, seventy to fifty-six. They are six and one against Army so far in the two-thousands, so not too much struggle against the triple option. It seems, therefore, I am going to give them a win over Army. Much needed bye week after the triple option there, uh, after Army. So they're going to buy before Boston College. They bring Boston College to Winston Salem. Boston College has a buy before as well. However. Wake won 41 to 10 last year. They've won three of the last four matchups. I'm giving the win to wake. Then it's a back-to-back road trip at Louisville at NC state homecoming for NC state. Wake did beat them last year by three. However, NC state has won four of the last five. I got wake beating Louisville uh, on the road, but then losing on the second leg of the back-to-back to to NC state. Then they're going to bring North Carolina to town. It's second leg of a back-to-back road trip for North Carolina. I have wake getting it done there. They bring Syracuse to town. Uh, I got them getting it done there. And then they go at Duke. So kind of like a little soft reprieve there in the last couple games. I got another win against Duke. I had this team going 10-2. and I mean, maybe you could talk me into a loss at Louisville or possibly a loss against Boston College, maybe a loss at Florida State. But I don't see this team going under nine wins after getting 10 last year. They bring back a lot of the same. Defense should be a little improved with Brad Lambert. I like the over. It's plus 110. It's a pretty decent play, if I'm being honest. Uh, Nothing flashy, but, yeah, I like the over there for Wake Forest. Now let's talk about the North Carolina State uh, Wolfpack. Total production from last year coming back as a whole, 81% good for 12th in the country. 75% of their offensive production from a year ago does return. That's 37th in the country. 88% of their defensive production returns from last year. That's 6th. This defense they have ten back. Like I said, ton of production coming back. They were the 14th scoring defense, 22nd against the rush, 31st against the pass. Really good for this conference, and 21st total. So I think they really could even improve on that. Seven back on offense, however, which was the 99th rushing offense, the 19th passing offense. So that's good, but 59th total. Um, so nothing crazy on offense. Dave Dorian's back for year ten as head coach. He's 64 and 49 really good head coach uh 9 and 3 last year uh losses at Mississippi State at at Mississippi State at Miami and at Wake um a shout out to Dave Dorian because he's been in the middle to end of the pack the last 3 years in recruiting 7th in the ACC 7th in the ACC in 2021 7th in 2020 uh and 10th in 2022 so nothing crazy there uh, but he's doing big things with with not a lot of talent. However, there is like a national spotlight on this team this year, and I do not trust North Carolina State when people think they're going to be awesome. Usually that means uh, they're going to be like seven or eight wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vegas is saying over-under is eight and a half this year. Over is minus 145. That's a high price to pay. Under is plus 125. Let's see. Devin Leary coming back, quarterback, had 3,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, only five interceptions last year, so that's really good. 4-0 come back. However, you do lose wide receiver Emeka who um, who is a stud. He is gone. There's some talent left at wide receiver, but that's a big hit. And then here's what I really don't like. Running backs Zonovan Knight and Ricky Pearson Jr. are both gone, leaving a huge hole at the running back position. Both of those guys were pretty decent. They're both gone here this year. I think it's a step back here on a mediocre offense this year. I don't think Devin Leary will be as good, if I'm being honest. D is set up pretty well, however. Um, They had a lot of injuries last year, so a lot of guys got reps. A lot of guys are experienced on this defense. Like I said, 10 back, 88% of their defensive production. Uh, Linebackers Peyton Wilson and Drake Thomas are both projected first team all ACC. Linebacker Isaiah Moore is projected third team all ACC. So one of the best linebacking cores in the entire country. Nose tackle Corey Durden and strong safety Tanner Engel are both projected second-team All-ACC. So a lot of names on this defense. Should be one of the best defenses in the country behind Clemson – in the conference behind Clemson, sorry. So I do like that. They're going to start off the season on the road at East Carolina. NC State has lost the last two trips to Greenville. I talked about it on the last podcast at the AAC conference when I talked about the East Carolina Pirates. I think this is a really, really close game. I think this is a very losable game for NC State. I did give them the win, tread lightly. Then they play Charleston Southern, 4-6 and six last year in the FCS. I think they get that one done. I think they beat Texas Tech at home. Uh, I think they're the better team. Plus, it's between Houston and Texas for Texas Tech. I think they're a little more focused on those games than they are this one. They bring Jim Mora and the UConn Huskies to town, second leg of a back-to-back for the Huskies. Uh, easy win there, so I got them starting off 4-0. Then they go at Clemson. NC state did win last year, 27 to 21 in overtime. However, they lost the last eight. They were a much better team than Clemson last year. They should have beat them by more. If I'm being honest, it's just some kind of mental block that this team has with Clemson where when they should beat them, they still like don't. where last year. They, they you know, it took every bit of them to get it done in overtime at home. I don't have a beating Clemson here in, in death Valley. And I think you're kind of crazy if you do, if I'm being honest, um, History just doesn't tell us that's what's going to happen. Florida State comes to town after that. I got NC State getting that done. Uh, And then they go at Syracuse, 13-2 all-time against Syracuse. It is always close, though, in the carrier dome between these teams. Look at recent history. It's always a pretty close game when NC State goes to Syracuse in that stupid dome. So Syracuse also does have a bye before. This could be a letdown spot. I'm just saying because I do have this team – uh, six and one so far going into the bye. I wouldn't be surprised if they're five and two with a loss there to Syracuse, possibly even four and three with a loss to ECU and Syracuse. Uh, bye week, and then they have three straight home games. Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Boston College all come down to all come to town. Um, it is the second leg of a back to back for Wake Forest. I, I, I got uh, North Carolina State beating vatech Tech, beating Wake, and beating Boston College, three wins in a row. Um, some of those are kind of 50-50 games, though, in my mind. Maybe not quite 50-50, but close. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop one of those. They finish off the season on the road at Louisville and at North Carolina. Honestly, I have them losing both. So that puts me at 9-3 and three for this team, which would be just slightly on the over. However, the under at plus 125, with all the hype this North Carolina State team's getting, I am actually on the under for this play. I like the plus 125. I don't know if it's one I'm going to bet yet or not. I don't know if I'm that stoked on it. However, I like the contrarian play of it. I think everybody's hyped for NC State. I think they might be the team that's a little bit overrated right now. Let's go into the Miami Hurricanes returning production. 71% of their total production from a year ago comes back. That's good for 46th in the country. A lot of it is on defense. 80% of their production returns from a year ago. That is good for 23rd in the country. Um, Recruiting-wise, top three, all three, all of the last three years. Uh, Cristobal this year got him number 16 in the country, third in the conference, 12th in the transfer portal this year. So Cristobal raiding that thing a little bit, not surprising to me. He seems like just the type of guy to do that. 2021, this team went 7-5. and five. However, they did win five of their last six after they identified uh, quarterback Travis Van Dyke as, as the star when Dier De- De- King went down. Um, Van Dyke was, was young. He had to get going and he really did get it going towards the end of the season last year. Um, Cristobal, as I said, is in for his first year as head coach. He's 62 and 60 in his career, just got off of a really good stint over at Oregon. Um, I'm not crazy about the guy as far as head coach, but he is a fuck of a recruiter, really good recruiter. So he's going to start bringing, uh, I think consistent top 10 and above talent classes into this program, if I'm being honest. Seven of the offensive play offensive starters from a year ago returned. This was the 23rd scoring offense, 97th rushing offense. Don't love that. Just like Florida State, I miss when Miami had great running backs. It was the 10th passing offense and the 19th total offense a year ago. Five back on defense. This was the 44th rushing defense, 102nd passing defense. But what am I telling you? Five starters back on defense. of their defensive production returns from a year ago. That means there's still a lot of guys with a lot of reps on this defense, so it's not necessarily that they were starters all year, but there was injuries last year. There was a lot of things that led to five freshmen starting by the final game of the season last year. All those guys are returning to start this year. Cornerback Tyreek Stevenson is a projected second-team All-ACC player as a sophomore. He's one of them. Um, Other than a former five-star recruit, uh, defensive tackle Leonard Taylor, there's a lot of question marks at the first two levels. However, this is where Cristobal attacked the transfer portal, brought in a lot of talent. Like I said, a lot of these guys are young but got reps last year. I expect the 102nd pass defense to improve uh, greatly in the secondary. So uh, I'm expecting bigger things out of this defense this year, which I think is going to make them a better team. Offensively, Travis Van Dyke back. 2900 yards, 25 TDs last year for a guy that wasn't really expected to play at all. So that's pretty damn good. This kid, they think he's going to be a star. Um I see I saw flashes as well. So let's see. Um he brings back, you no know, I'm sorry, he actually loses wide receivers Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley. They are gone. Also, as I mentioned before, D Wiggins has transferred out. Big gap in uh, the wide receiver position. I would expect there to be some talent to fill in. It's just unproven. O-line does return 3-5, of five, including All-American hopeful uh, Zion Nelson. He's a left tackle, considered to be one of the best offensive linemen in all of college football, so keep an eye on him. Running back, still no star identified on the roster, so uh, I could still be a little disappointed about that. Hopefully Mario Cristobal will bring running backs uh, back to Miami. Make, make Miami football running backs great again, please. Okay. Vegas saying the over-under is set at 8.5. The over is plus 100. The under is minus 120. Big rivalry game to start off the season. They bring Bethune-Cookman, 2-9 and nine in the FCS last year, uh, to town. Listen, I I really do feel like Miami plays Bethune-Cookman like every single fucking year somehow. Uh, I do have them beating Bethune-Cookman, beating Southern Miss at home to start off the season, so that's 2-0. and oh. Then they go on the road at Texas a and I do have them losing that game. I do not... I think a is going to be as dominant this year as pretty much everybody is predicting. I, I don't trust it yet. I think soon, once this, uh, especially next year's recruiting class, starts getting uh, into the starting rotation, they're going to probably be dominant. However, from what I remember, last year, this team could have lost to anybody at any given time. They went out to Colorado and almost lost the game against the Buffaloes at Mile High Stadium. Uh, it took them the entire game to finally pull away, and that was not a good Colorado team. This team, uh, I remember Kent State hanging around a little more than they should have, honestly. I, it just wasn't a good defense. They lost Mike Elko, or offense, I'm sorry, really good defense, but they lost Mike Elko as their defensive coordinator. So I don't know. I don't know if AM, I think, is going to be dominant. I did give them the win here. Um, and then Miami plays Middle Tennessee State. So Miami is pretty much going to be 3-1 and one, uh, before the bye week, but they could potentially be 4-0. Oh. 3 and one's a guarantee, though. As I said, bye week after MTSU, and then they bring North Carolina to town. Uh, Mac Brown has kind of owned Miami recently. However, I have Miami getting this one done. Win there. I have a beating Virginia Tech on the road in Blacksburg. It is homecoming at at uh, Virginia Tech, but still, I think Miami's the better program right now. Not really sure what Brent is throwing out there. So I gave Miami the win. I gave Miami a win over Duke as well in the following game and a win at Virginia. I think they're much better than where those two teams are at right now. I gave them the win over Florida State at home. Uh, Florida State did get the win last year, Dope Campbell. However, Miami had won the previous four matchups. I got them getting that one as well. Then a back-to-back road trip. You go at Georgia Tech, at Clemson. I got them splitting that, obviously losing at Clemson, where they've lost the last three matchups against the Tigers. Um, and then they play Pitt, the final game of the season, at home. Miami won last year 38-34. to 34. They've won 12 of 14 matchups against Pitt since the year 2000. I have them getting that one done as well. I have them at 10 and 2. I feel pretty good about this over eight and a half. I, the over is plus 100. I'm on it. I, I think this team. Um, I think this team's finally going to put it together. I think this team's finally going to play around their talent level. The schedule is manageable. Um, I think they're a player in the ACC this year, and I think it's only looking up with Cristobal as a recruiter. I hope he gets some really really strong uh, coordinators to make up for what I think he lacks in uh, coaching a little bit as far as comparatively to some of the other great coaches in the league. All right, final team in the conference, 14th team in the conference to talk about. That's why this is going on so long. There's a lot to cover. That's why I'm trying to talk fast. (laughs) Uh, Clemson Tigers returning production from a year ago, 72% of the total uh, production from a year ago returns good for 42nd in the country. Offensively, 84% of it comes back. That's uh, 84% of their offensive production. That is 17th in the country, a little bit less on defense. However, what did we know about this team last year? The offense sucked. The defense was good. Honestly, I think the defense could be on par with, I mean, they have the elite level talent. I was about to say the defense could be better. And then I remember Brent Venables is gone. So that's, that's a tough statement to make with Brett Venables leaving, um, and it's something to think about when you're grading out this team. When you're looking at this team, both of their coordinators, Tony Elliott and Brett Venables, are both gone. So interesting there. Um, the last three years, first in the conference, top uh, first in the conference in recruiting in the ACC. Um, 2020, they were number three in the country. 2021, they were number five in the country. 2022, all the way down to number ten in the country. So interesting. Clemson loses their spot in the top five recruiting nationally, but however, they're still dominating the conference in recruiting. Transfer portal, Davo Sweeney shits all over it. He doesn't think anything of it. He is number 154th uh, with the Clemson Tigers in the country. So nothing crazy there. 2021, this team went nine and three. Step back here for sure. However. While this team wasn't impressive at all last year, the ACC sucks. Um, and there's still there's six double-digit games, all losses – or I'm sorry, six single-digit games, all losses by a score less last year. So they played a lot of close games. They won on talent. Um, they weren't necessarily the best team on the field. It's just they have better recruits. Um, and that's something you got to keep in mind with. As much as everybody's shitting on Clemson, you're looking at the over-under, you're seeing that the number is set at 10 and a half. They still are the most talented team in most of these. Actually, looking at the schedule, I, I forgot their uh, non-con this year. Um, they're the they're the more talented team in every single one of these matchups this year. So you're looking at the ten and a half. You're thinking this team sucked last year. Remember, they still won nine, and they're still way more talented than most teams they play um, on a year-to-year basis in the ACC, especially. All right, so Davo Sweeney back as head coach, 150 and 36 all-time. Seven starters back on offense. This was the 58th rushing offense, 103rd passing. Not good there. 100 total offense last year. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Nowhere to go but up, right? Uh, eight back on defense. This was the second scoring defense, seventh rushing defense, 40th passing defense, eighth total defense a year ago. DJ Ugalele will be the starting quarterback, most likely. He's going to be pushed by five-star recruit Cade Klubnick uh, for the job. I think this is going to be another situation when uh, Deshaun Watson was sitting behind Cole Stout years ago. Um, really, Dabo Sweeney likes continuity. He likes to stick with, even if he doesn't think it's the more, uh, the more talented guy, he sticks with the guy that has more experience. And I think that's what he's going to do again here. I think we saw it with Deshaun and Cole Stout. I think we're going to see it here with DJ and Cade Klubnik. Um, so I think DJ starts, and DJ has supposedly lost 25 pounds. See, here's the thing: DJ Ugalele is a huge guy. Um, kind of chunky last year, if we're being honest, and the offensive line for Clemson wasn't good at all last year. Doesn't bode well for a guy, he's gonna get pressure on him, he's not quick enough to escape it. He panics, he makes bad decisions. So potentially, if the O-line improves, DJ U loses a little bit of weight, he could play up to some of that potential. That, uh, that he came into the league with. So we'll see. If not, then we probably will see Cade Klubnik at some point if DJU is playing like he played last year. O-line returns four starters. Like I said, they weren't good last year, but hey, you got to get better, right? All right, top two running backs, Will Shipley and Kobe Pace are back to run behind those four returning starters. They should be a pretty good tandem when they are both healthy. Will Shipley specifically um, could be a really, really good player at this level, I think. Uh, Joseph Nada back at wide receiver, but there needs to be other stars behind him. They really aren't identified yet. Uh, Nada himself is kind of, you know, not the traditional number one wide receiver that we've come to expect from a Clemson offense. So, offense, I think, is going to be better than last year. I really, really do. We'll see what happens with the quarterback situation. We'll see what happens with that O line. I think Shipley's going to be a nice surprise this year. I think he's going to be really, really good. Brett Venables, as I said, is also gone uh, from the defense, so that sucks. He's been a really good defensive coordinator for a long time. He's over at Oklahoma now. Both the offensive and defensive coordinators are internal hires, though, so they bring in uh, nothing, no big crazy names, but they bring in guys that have been familiar with the system, so I expect a lot of the same. Three D linemen are projected first team all ACC. The fourth D lineman is projected second team. This is going to be... The One of the best, if not the best, D-line in the entire entire country. Huge, huge deal there. Linebacker Trenton Simpson is projected first team. Secondary looks a little questionable other than strong safety Andrew Mukuba, who is projected first team all ACC as well. This is an elite defense with elite talent throughout it. It's going to be tough this year just like it was last year. If the offense improves, this team is still going to be dominant in, in the country. So let's take a look. as I said, over under set at 10 and a half by Vegas. over is plus 110. under is minus 130. They start off the season with the big rivalry against Georgia Tech. That's a win even though it's on the road. They bring six and five FCS last year firm into town. That's a win. Louisiana Tech uh, comes to town. that's a win at Wake Forest. okay, here's one where you could argue maybe that's a loss. I got to win. Like I said, Clemson's beat them 13 straight times, won by three touchdowns last year, even though everybody said they suck. They beat a 10-2 Clemson team by three touchdowns. (laughs) I I just can't give that win to Wake, even though it's in Winston-Salem. All right, then they're going to play North Carolina State at Death Valley. Um, North Carolina State beat them last year. They lost the previous eight. I have Clemson getting it done again. Back-to-back road trip at Boston College. It's homecoming for Boston College Boston College has won 11 straight. They won last year, 19-13. to 13. Then they go on the road to Doak Campbell. Uh, Clemson has beat them six straight times, 30-20 to 20 last year. I have them getting both of these road wins. Like I said, that Florida State game, that's a huge game for Florida State. It's also a huge game for this Clemson team. I mean, it's one of the few spots on the schedule I really think they could lose. Then they bring Syracuse to town so they don't have to go to the stupid dome. They bring cues to town. They're going to crush that team. By week at Notre Dame. Okay, here's another spot they could potentially lose. However, Clemson has won three of these last four matchups against Notre Dame. I think they are still the more talented team. I think the final score of this game is going to be like 10-3 to Clemson. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. Sure, Notre Dame is going to be up for it, but they just don't have any explosive players on that offense. The defenses are probably evenly matched. I would give a slight lean to uh, Clemson as far as having the defensive talent God, your guess is as good of mine And who the best uh, (laughs) offensive player in that game is. I really can't point one out. Um, I'm just going to give the win to Clemson here. It's Marcus Freeman's first year. I can't just have him go out there and beat Clemson like everybody's predicting, like no big deal. I think Clemson gets the win, especially since they have a bye week before. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. They have a bye week before Notre Dame to prepare. All right. Then they're going to finish off the season. Three straight home games. They got Louisville. They got Miami, which is a second leg of a back-to-back for Miami. And they have South Carolina. Listen to these numbers. Clemson, 7-0 all-time against Louisville. Clemson has beat Miami three straight times. Clemson won 30 to nothing last year and has won seven straight, is 72 and 42 all-time against rival South Carolina. Those three games are wins. Guys, over 10 and a half is the play here. it's it's nothing. I'm not gonna jump out of my chair and go bet it because. Of what I saw with this team last year, I get it. They're they're not the same team they've been that's been winning playoffs and beating Alabama. They're not that same team. However, they still are the dominant team of this conference. They still should win at least 11 games, maybe drop a stupid one somewhere. Maybe it's at Wake. Maybe it's at Boston College. Maybe it's that second leg of the back-to-back at Florida State. Yeah, maybe they're going to drop one like Clemson is prone to do. However... I think they're going to win eleven or twelve. I like the over at plus one ten. I think that's the play here. I, 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 talent prevails, man. It's, it's college football. That's just what happens. Okay. All that being said, also, what are you going to do? You're going to bet on NC State to win the fucking that side of the division. The division that side of the conference. Are you serious? You're going to bet NC State over Clemson? I just can't see that being the case. It's still Clemson. They're still the top dog. All right, my favorite play in this conference is the Virginia Tech under 6.5 or minus 140. I know the minus 140 sucks, but I don't see this team winning seven games. First year with a new coach, nothing really identifiable that's going to say they're going to move the ball at all. Maybe a pretty good defense, I'm sure, but eh, whatever. I like the under 6.5 for Vautech. Best value, I'm going to go with Boston College over 6.5 at plus 120. I just think this team is worth more than uh, they're getting credit for. I think they're going to get at least 7. They could shock some people and get 8. I like Boston College over 6.5 at plus 120. All right, that does it for the ACC Part 1 episode of Coastal Covers. Uh, Mike will be out with Part 2 once he gets his uh, podcast recorded, once he gets his episode recorded, I should say. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at GCG underscore wins. Hit me up, talk to me, ask me questions, whatever. Tell me I'm stupid. Tell me I'm cool. I don't care. Just hit me up. Give me a follow. Retweet my tweets, please. Okay, the next conference on deck, oh, also the Coastal Covers podcast page itself, the Twitter page, at Coastal Covers 24 Next conference on deck is going to be the Pac-12. That is what I think is the second worst conference, and the second conference that is in trouble as far as Power 5 teams go, as far as Power 5 conferences go. All right, guys, that does it for this edition of Coastal Covers. I will talk to you next week.